we Cuckoo. are live. Uh, yeah, as I was saying, my computer, um, I got this like new kind of hard drive in or whatever. Um, and okay. uh, it's like an M2 drive. So it goes like right into the motherboard. Um, super fast. It's like like one of the fastest ways you can do um, those kinds of things. Um, and uh, anyway, so I get it. And I'm installing it. My idea is to take my one hard drive, put it in my computer, and then wipe and then switch like everything from that one to, the, to this new one, right? So I did that and everything was working well. Um, and then I rebooted my computer and uh, nothing worked. <laughs> uh, I got like the huge blue screen that was like, you have a system error. Um, and I was like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's really good. And so... I guess I like bricked my like one drive or whatever. Like I deleted the master boot record, I suppose is what it's called, which is like what tells windows to like boot. Um, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And I was Should, like, isn't, oh. is that not, Oh, I guess. Okay. That's so that is something that's saved onto your hard drive. It's not on the motherboard. No. Yeah. It is on, on the hard drive. Um, and what I did was I, and I know about all this kind of stuff. Cause I do it all the time. Right. Um, installing Linux, it doesn't use that. It uses a different thing. But Windows has this master boot record. So anyway, I um, I got this working, and then I was like rebooting my computer, and it, and it was working fine. I was like, okay, perfect. Now I'm just gonna delete the old hard drive, like partition it out. Da 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 da. So I did all that, and that's when the problem started happening. So I like I like mentally and like knew I was deleting it, but it appeared to be working. And then all of a sudden, when it didn't, I was like, oh, it must have still been like using that one. So in any case, thank God I had a, uh, I, I, just before that, I like plugged in a USB drive and I like downloaded the Windows media creation tool. I was like, I should probably have like an, a thing that like, in case something goes wrong, right? So anyway, I was able to like do that. I had to like restore all my Windows stuff, but I almost lost everything, um, including like all the client stuff, which I have like automated backups and everything that go up to like the cloud. So I wasn't like super concerned about it. But the weirdest part was, um, all the files still stayed on both drives. So I don't know why it just stopped working, but it, it did. So in any case, um, I'm using like my new like two terabyte drive or whatever, it's like SSD, which is like super quick. Um, yeah. And uh, then like, it, it's actually such a beast system, man. Like I love working. So you like pay for it through work or whatever, but it's like, I got, like two terabyte SSD for my one drive. And then I got like one terabyte SSD, which is like a slave to that master. And then I've got like a two terabyte, like normal drive. And then like a, 500 gigabyte like ssd just off to the side or whatever um i really don't need all that um but it's like nobody else is gonna buy that and so uh i just kept it all um and like so it's pretty good but uh yeah so it's uh that was a totally it took like all my weekend um and the reason i wanted to do that um was like twofold there in like and i'm kind of going way into like the weeds here but uh um it, on, like when you have like a programming job or whatever, um, especially if like web development, you need like two different environments to like test your stuff out, right? You need what's called like your local environment, which is like where you can like, uh, you like basically run the entire website, but it doesn't really hit the internet. So it's all just like on local host or it's all on like uh, your own computer, right? Um, and for like ever, there's been an issue of how do you do that local development? Um, most of the time people say, well, like you either dual boot Ubuntu. So like you 
boot into Linux and then you run all through that. And that works really well because it's like, um, it's got all the server configuration. You don't have to fight with like firewalls and like all the windows kind of crap, right? Um, or you would uh, do what I, what I was kind of doing, um, which is like uh, get a virtual box on your, on your Windows machine and still boot into Ubuntu to do that. There's a few other ways too, which is like just run it through Windows, which you can do, but it's kind of a pain in the ass. You have to do all this kind of stuff. And then other things that you might need for development aren't as available on like Windows as they are in Linux. Um, finally, you could either just like, um, like just use a Ubuntu PC, but then you don't have any Windows at all. And if you wanted to switch to play a game, you'd have to like reboot and like do all that kind of crap. Um, and then Mac is actually pretty good because it was built on Unix as well. Um, but Macs are obviously super expensive and they're not perfect. But um, Windows had came out with a thing probably like a year, or I don't know, a couple years now, um, called like WSL2. And so they, they created this system, which is like the Windows subsystem for Linux. Um, and so they basically, you can flip it on in your settings if you have Windows 10 Pro. And it, uh, it basically installs Linux through Windows, like the entire suite of it. And so like you can use your Windows PC totally normal and then also open up like a command line that is like Ubuntu on the same drive and doing all that kind of stuff. So they kind of like, I was like, dude, that is perfect. Cause like my virtual box, which is how I was doing it all before, um, you'd have to like section off part of your hard drive for that virtual box. You'd have to give it like half your RAM or whatever and do all that. And it was working okay, but you're still going through an interface to do all that kind of stuff. But now it's like this super sweet system where I can just like do all of it on windows. I don't have to like turn my computer off, do all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was exactly what I've been looking for for the past like five years. Um, it doesn't, ha it has its like issues as well, but man, is it, it's, uh, it's so smooth. And I'm so happy I got that all set up. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm hoping this podcast will record. I had to go back and try to figure out where all my down mix to mono stuff is. And I think I got them all. Um, and I tested a VLC convert to MP3, which is how we do the podcast uploads. Um, and so I'm hoping that this will all work. Uh, and, uh, it looks like the volume and everything is still set up the same. So yeah, that was a nice little monologue, but that's all good. I actually have so many questions. So, um, firstly, SSD related, um, is the, the M2, is that just refers to the fact that it goes directly into the motherboard? Yeah. So, um, I believe the M2 is just the form factor. So an SSD. So if you look at the hard drive, there's like the big bulky things that got the disc, right? Um, an SSD, an internal one anyway, is a lot slimmer. It looks like a phone almost like maybe half this size, right? Mm -hmm. Um, an M2 drive is like this big. Um, and it's a chip. It's like a little circuit board that you, then there's slots on your motherboard. If your motherboard supports it, um, on my motherboard, there's two M2 slots. And so that's just the form factor. So you can just chip it right in, then you screw it down. Um, and it, it, uh, there's, there's usually two channels or at least on my motherboard, there's two, <clears throat> two slots. Um, and my understanding of it is the one slot uses the, um, it shares like a line with the CPU. And so, uh, if you want your like CPU stuff to be pretty fast, you can use your M2 on that. And the differences are not like super crazy, right? They're both, both slots are still gonna be really fast. It's just kind of like, which one do you prefer? Then the other slot shares a line with like your other PCI, PCIe or more mainly your graphics card. And so if like you want your games or whatever to be a little bit faster, you can do that. Like I said, they both work the same way. Um, it's just the, the way that the slots are configured and the channel that it runs off of. Um, and so I now have one in both um, and but like ultimately it doesn't really matter. 
Um, so, yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I think I've seen those. I, I guess those are the ones that are primarily used in laptops now too, right? The, yes, that would be... Just because they're so yeah. small. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, that's cool. Um, okay, what was next? Uh, I guess uh, what you were saying about Linux and Windows, mm -hmm. that you can't... That certain things work better in each. Um, do you... Well, for one, like what, what do you have examples of what sort of things work better in each or what, what things you can't do necessarily in Windows that you can do in Linux? Um, yeah, yeah, like, and, and maybe that's kind of a crappy way of putting it. Uh, to be honest, I, it, it's kind of interesting because what you're asking is like, why do developers prefer Ubuntu over Windows um, if they're both possible? Um, Linux is just kind of like, kind of the wild so it's kind of like the wild west sort of thing where it's like you install this and you can do whatever you want to it you can basically boot up right into a command line and right away you can start like typing your command sudo apt get installed that's how like you install things um uh you know if you want to run like node which is running kind of like javascript applications or whatever else right um so it's really quick and fast to get to the development point whereas windows um for example there is no command line you can open up the command prompt um but like the commands there are limited it everybody kind of in developing world knows about the unix kind of system which is like the cool command lines and all that kind of stuff um, for windows you'd have to like get a program that then allows you to do some of those things um, and it all it does is really just fake that um, and so to get the same application running in like windows you'd have to download like so many extra things uh, you might have to do some like uh, networking things like locally just to make sure that everything can talk to each other um, whereas unix because that's where like all the developers are everything's just figured out you can usually get a system going in like minutes opposed to maybe windows has a few hours plus it's less supported um, and so i've like when i went to college um, they would teach operating systems was the first kind of what one of the first classes you take in first year and uh, it should have just been called unix because we didn't really learn about anything else um, and uh, that's kind of like where like the base is um and uh to be honest i'm like way out of my like knowledge level when it comes to why unix over everything else but the way that the kernel stuff is and just like the way that the underlying bare bones of it um you can essentially build it all up yourself it's like all open source it doesn't require a license doesn't require any of this um it's super quick because you don't have all this like bloat behind it um and it basically again allows developers to go from like a, a blank Ubuntu thing to like being able to develop like right away um, stock Ubuntu like stock Unix comes with a few of the main pieces of required like uh, development stuff um, one of which would be like Apache or Nginx which is kind of like your web server so um, oh I guess I guess actually this is this is a reason too almost all of your servers like through Amazon or wherever you use are going to be Linux or Unix based Right? There's hardly ever Windows-based servers unless your application is done and built in like .NET, which is Windows like background or whatever, um, or like Azure or whatever. I'm sure people are gonna crucify me if somebody listens to this, but <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's kind of the reason why it's like the enterprise version of all these servers uses Unix, and so if you can just have a development machine that copies that server, the, the one that's live, then you can basically develop live but you're doing it locally so you can test the exact same problems test same things same technology stack okay so when when you're programming or making applications and doing this are you using your 
command line is like this like unified programming environment or do you also have like other ides and, and things uh yeah so um so yes you use an ide for all of your code based stuff i know some statistic people uh sadistic people um that use a terminal called vim which is like <laughs> uh, i don't know if you ever heard of it vi improved um which is basically like a command line editor so like you type vi on the command line it opens up this thing it's installed on everything because it's like the first piece of software that you can it's like so basic it's installed on everything you need a command you need an editor of some sorts to edit some server files so every server ships with some version of an editor um and it's super simple and it's like very archaic if you don't know it because mm -hmm. like and if you look up memes about like vi it'll be like how do i get out of vi because it's like you have to there's like an escape key which runs like your control and so like it's like for like if you press i you're in insert mode so anything you press after i types so you have to press escape to go back to the normal mode and then q would quit and so it's like this super convoluted system of like actually controlling it i'm really good at it now because i develop in in, in a system like that uh, but yeah normally for a development environment you've got a few different tools um, the command line is like your most important thing it's how you install 99 percent of stuff um, it's how you uh, move directories move files um, you use version control through the command line so git is all done on the command so it's like get in the install whatever or get in it rather um committing and all that kind of stuff um and then you have like an ide which is like your development uh uh environment essentially um and basically the ide just provides a very nice way of handling these files um it has like other things that support the project so it would have like um maybe built-in version control so like you have get through your id so it shows you visually what you're changing um it's got uh just a nicer way of keeping track of things and just just editing the files in general um so that's like your ide and then um like the, all the system behind that is like your your the environment on the local machine that like actually runs the application. So this might be like a web server that you have locally. So like I was saying Nginx and Apache, that would be like an example of that. You might have like a database, um, so like MySQL or MariaDB, DB, um, and those talk to each other and that like makes up your server, right? So you kind of use all. So the, the command line is like the orchestrator and then the IDE is like the, 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 like the tools that you need to paint the picture and then like the um nginx apache or mysql those are like the uh the canvas or like the, like the backbone that makes up everything okay so it, so your command line is essentially doing what you could what you could do by hand visually right yeah is you that... you don't need anything except for the command line to do a job uh, and and you get everything else using the command line to install it essentially right so when so if could, you like, look could, at could you not like go and install things off the internet or like with your mouse like ha like yeah for sure so the way that i can explain it is if you were to take um and again i'm probably gonna get crucified for this but let's say let's say like like a, uh, when you install linux um if you just install like the current like the base thing right and you boot it up it doesn't have a um like it it won't even have like a desktop like like it won't have a visual interface a gui right um so but it has a command line so you start with like nothing which is the command line so just the basic things you need to run linux right then from that command line you'd be like oh i want to see stuff visually so then on the command line you type whatever the command is to install 
the, the GUI for this, like sudo apt-get install um, like GNOME desktop, which is like kind of the, the version of Ubuntu. There's new ones and all that kind of crap. So now all of a sudden, using the command line to install the GUI, the GUI. Okay, now you have this. Now you can click on stuff. Okay, but you don't have like a web browser. So then you're gonna go back to your command line, go sudo apt-get install Firefox. Um, and that will reach out to somewhere, it'll install Firefox. Now you have the Firefox script and like the, it's the same as like Windows. If you if you take the GUI away, like all of that you're doing with the mouse and keyboard resolves to commands essentially. It's just a graphical way of showing you what's being done. So um, when you run on Ubuntu, like like Firefox, it'll open Firefox. If you have the GUI installed, it'll open, it'll open that. Now you can do that stuff and you can download files and stuff through the internet. The way that you install those would just be using the same way that you'd be doing the command line. So um, on Ubuntu, there's probably a way that when you click like open the .exe on Windows or whatever, right? It's called like a .deb package on Ubuntu. Um, it, it shows you a graphical interface of what's installing, um, but it would just be running commands like through the, through the GUI for you, for you basically. Um, and so you can do everything on the terminal. Um, the terminal is just like, it's a very, um, it's the most power. It gives you the power to do absolutely everything. Um, but there's tools and GUIs that like make your life easier, such as like web PHP, uh, storm, like IDs, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so the reason you would use a command line is just because it's more efficient and you can do more complicated things than, or, or you can do things yeah, more complicated. You, I guess, can you use like standard programming, making like a, like, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a simple example, but like, you could like, you, you could like copy a file like a thousand times. Yep. Rather than doing that by hand, you can just make like a for loop or something. That yeah, can, you, uh, that yeah. would be called like a bash script. And so you could just like program in bash, which is kind of like Unix programming language or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, you can run those scripts. You can be like, I want to copy this, move it here, um, delete this and rename this to another file. Or let's say you had like a script that was like, okay, I have a client here, client A, and I just want like to copy all of that and make a client B and make it like my base project. Okay, well you can create a script that's like, does all that, right? Um, so scripting, that, that's basically what scripting is in like Unix. It's just like doing things around the server that allow you to do that. And that's again, why it's so nice to have is because you could literally write a million scripts or whatever you want to do um, and have them do exactly what you want them to do. Um, so yeah, bash is like this is the programming language like that works with Ubuntu essentially. Right. Okay. Yeah. And because it's what like a lot of the enterprise servers run off of, that same script you work on your local machine, you just put it on a server, it'll do the exact same thing, right? It's the same, it's the same uh, version of Ubuntu, it's the same this, same everything, and that's why people use it locally. Mm. Yeah, so it was really nice that Windows, Windows came out with one, the first version, WSL1, um, but it was kind of like a fake version of Linux or whatever. They kind of like tried to do uh, Linux, but still using a lot of the Windows stuff. Um, and then they came up with Windows 2 or WSL2, and it basically put the entire Linux kernel inside of Windows. So um, you can do everything with that. And it's it's really quite nice as a developer to use. Cool. Very cool. So, so will, I guess your, so your tools change depending on what kind of field you're in. And you're in web development, app development kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, would so, I, I'm guessing somebody that would be in like data science, for instance, um, would be using a whole different suite of tools. Um, 
but would they still have that similar kind of setup in that you have your command line and you have your IDE and you're in your operating system and that's just those are your basic um, that's your basic setup yeah actually. it's a uh, it's kind of hard to say yes because I'm I, I'm not like a data scientist so they might have like a different way of doing it um, but right. if if let's say um, you were like somebody that worked at like Amazon or whatever, almost guaranteed you would be like on the command line or, or whatever. Um, and you would have maybe different tools as well. Um, uh, and the tools that I use as like a developer, um, like you said, for wit for the web stuff, it's one set of tools. It'll be like an IDE, this, this, and this, and this. Um, if I was doing like a Java application, well, there's a Java specific IDE where it allows you to do specific things for that programming language. So I would use that suite of tools. Plus obviously then I'd need Java, you know, so you're, you're changing like your tool set, right? Um, for a lot of the stuff that mm -hmm. I'm doing now, which is like this Flutter and Dart, um, that's like a, a totally different kind of framework, but I can use the web IDE. Um, I don't need any of the MySQL SERP, the data bit like that kind of stuff because it's got its own or whatever. So it's like your tool set changes um, but again, your command line kind of orchestrates all of that stuff together. Um, and so, yeah, a data scientist or something like a data, database analy analyst or whatever, um, they would probably use the command line. Um, maybe they'd go right into MySQL, right? And so mm -hmm. yeah, that's the command line, probably, yeah. You probably use your command line for database related stuff. And then, yeah, exactly. Um, so you'd, you'd be getting your, the database information using the command line and then programming what to do with it in an IDE. Um, usually with the database stuff, like, <laughs> thankfully we've come such a far way that, um, almost all of your programming languages don't have to interact with the database like exactly. And so like very seldom do I have to write a, a, a piece of program that is like select star from database name, whatever, or from table in database, whatever. Right. Um, usually there's like a, a application interface on top of that that says, Hey, call this method that's called select everything. Right. And so I just call that. Um, and it does essentially that at the end of the day, it does go into the database does a select star, but it'll probably have a bunch of security on top of that. So you can't like delete things. You can't access things you're not supposed to. Um, it, it's like a layer, like, so you got your database, like MySQL, you can go right into the command line. You can do things manually if you want to. It's good for like testing. You could be like, oh, I want to see what's in this table, right? So you can select everything and visually view what's in the table. Um, and so it's really good for like debugging, which is what we call it, um, or testing stuff. But almost always there's a layer of like helpful tools on top of that in the programming language. So it's like, you don't have to act, you don't have to act on the database exactly. So you can use the thing, your program talks to the layer and the layer talks to the database. Um, and there's usually like a really good team of security people and all that stuff that work on the layer. Um, so that you're, again, you're not kind of deleting things. You're, um, you're not like locking up tables. You're not doing like other kind of stuff like that. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's a really, uh, it's a, I don't, I, I love it. Like it's, it's, uh, w like when I find efficiencies in my job or whatever, like it was literally, um, it, it sounds so weird to say it and it's pretty nerdy, but like, like that, uh, Monday or no, I'm sorry. So I got this WSL, um, figured out on like Saturday, right? There's a ton of issues I had to work through because I was switching my entire thing. Um, obviously my computer hardware side aside that was an issue in itself um once i got all that stuff working there's like this other thing that like i rely on that just wouldn't work and even now to this day it's kind of like sometimes i just have to reboot my computer a couple times for it to like pick up and work again so it's like i have no <laughs> idea why it's really concerning but just the fact that i have 
a fully working environment in in the best way possible like quote unquote for right now um it's like there's so much stress like off my shoulders because like before this vm the virtual box that i was using to do all my development it's kind of like a ticking time bomb it's just kind of like always has issues it's never really that fast um and so my computer thankfully is a beast but before when i was running on a laptop and things before that um the, v the virtual box would not run as fast as the native computer and so like certain things i would be doing would just take longer for no reason other than the fact that the hardware is slower right so i got this nice computer which i basically could just throw 32 gigs at this virtual box um, and it was pretty quick but it still wasn't fast but now i've got this super clean super like low barrier to access if i had a blank windows i could install wsl2 on it do the same things that i did to get to the point that i'm at and i'd be i'd be golden and i love that like that is so clean it's so like stress-free to get to that point Right. Yeah. I guess. No. Yeah. No matter how great your PC is, if you're if you're splitting its power into different areas, it's 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 never going to be like what you have now, where you have 100 percent of your computer is able well, to be operational. And, and it's like the organizational side of it. So it's like coming to a desk as a lawyer and your desk is cluttered with stuff and you have to, like, go into another office to do your work for that one specific client. Then you have to come back and it's like on two different floors. Right. Um, and so now it's like, oh, no, I've got my nice clean desk. And I can just like, boom, you know, and that's like, that's like the best analogy I can feel. And that is like such a, a, like, it's like, yes, finally I'm at this point where I can, I don't have to worry about maintaining two different architectures and all that kind of crap. Right. Right. Yeah. It's just a unified work environment. That's great. What's interesting though. Um, and kind of annoying is that like this WSL2 stuff has been out for a while and I've had people switch to it and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to me, it's like, fuck, like what I have right now is working. I'm used to the process. I'm used to having to go up and down into my two different offices, right? And so it's like, you introduce this new thing and it's like, hey, this is obviously a disruption and you have to like kind of hope that it's better than what you're doing. You can't really test it out unless you have like another computer that you could just like install on and like mess around with it. So for me, it was kind of like, I got to take a weekend and just like if there's issues, I got to work them through because on Monday I got to make sure I'm right back to where I can work on client stuff and, and not miss a beat on that. Right. So it's a little bit of stress on, on like the, the weekend where it's just like I'm about to bomb my entire system and workflow and hope to God that it's it's working when I come back in three days. And it was right. Thankfully. Of course. So. No, yes. it's uh, it's uh, pretty pretty interesting. I know that you you've done work before. I think in R, was that the statistics language or whatever? Um, I've used MATLAB. Yeah, MATLAB would just be like an IDE oh. sort of thing to to interact with the underlying yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, and uh, seems like because my interest is you know I'm I'm interested in machine learning and stuff, and I know that's mostly done in Python. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think of like if I should be learning how to use command prompt type and bash type stuff, like, um, if you, I guess yeah. like nothing I'm doing is going to be big enough that I'm going to be needing version control or anything like I, like, it's cause I'm, especially cause I'm just learning and stuff. It, I would say that that's, um, um, accurate to a point. If you wanted to learn version control, then you could use it for anything really. Like you could do it for text documents or whatever. Um, the more important thing about version control, especially Git, is just knowing what the commands do. Um, and so even if you're not doing anything that uses it, if you're using the commands, um, then that would be useful in itself. Um, for you specifically, I don't know, like do you just have the one laptop and that's everything? Yeah, yeah, at the moment. I, I'd like to get a, like, or I'd like to build a desktop. Mm -hmm. um, 
maybe <clears> sometime <throat> this year, hopefully. Because what I would do, um, depending on money and stuff, funding yeah, for sure, see. definitely. <laughs> what I would do if I was you is once you get that <clears throat> that like second second piece of equipment. I would take one of your existing ones and just put Ubuntu on it and get rid of all the Windows stuff. And that's how it'd start. You'd just install Linux, you'd figure out, okay, this is weird, it's a new interface. And you would use it much as you would Windows, you know, you'd click on stuff, but you would get that terminal and you could start doing like, like if you want to learn Python. So, so what I always recommend with anybody that wants to like learn something or start a language is like, just create a project like think of something that you want to do and it doesn't have to be big it doesn't have to be small it can be whatever size you want it to be and then like if you chose python as what you want to learn you can build a project in pretty much any language it doesn't have to be java it doesn't have to be c c sharp whatever people are going to say yes this would be better for this or this would be better for this or this programming language is always the best whatever um that argument's going to be there forever and ever and ever um but just pick something and just start with it right like um it's it's i would say like personally like web languages like html or just like like php and that kind of stuff um gives you like the best in terms of like visual feedback right because you're literally building a landing page or a web page mm -hmm. or whatever html really isn't a programming language though at all um php is and like it's kind of a pain in the ass but with python um you know you can build like whatever you want i would start with scripts like little little games based off text be like oh i want to make a little game where it's like like I can type the, the direction of what I want. And then that takes my, like, and that's like kind of a very basic for loop, you know, with like, what is your choice? This, okay, they picked this one. Okay, now you spit this out, right? Um, it's text-based stuff. You don't need a graphical interface to do all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and so that would be like, you know, you just pick something and you just start with it. And mm -hmm. as soon as you have a project in mind, then you can use version control. You just, inst you just do it. And any change you make to the file could be, saved basically you can use version control for whenever you save you can commit to that that's not really a really efficient way of using it but it's good to get to know what it is so a commit mm -hmm. is basically what a save is and a commit comes with a message and be like um oh, okay i'm at point a then you do a little bit of work and you want to save it again you would com get commit okay i'm at point b now like i've done this and this and this and this okay then you save it you go back to work okay i've added this this, this and this and this and this and then when you want to like publish that to your repository or whatever you do it get push and it just kind of takes that stuff from your local machine only and puts it on like a server so it basically like uploads that to the drive for example that'll be an analogy um but it's mostly just like you just need the environment and then you just need a project and you just start going and you just google the shit out of everything like programming mm -hmm. is googling and it's learning how to solve your problems and the best tool you have for that right now is google <laughs> and stack overflow what you find through Google. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, like I, I have a little bit of experience just with like, making little applications and things um, because I took a couple first year computer science courses um, where we learned Java. Mm -hmm. um, and I also took a first year engineering course that was a little bit of C++. Um, oh, so you're, so, Dan, you're laughing. I'm, a, I'm comfortable in terms of just like like small programs in general mm -hmm. um it's more uh stepping into the area of like uh uh i guess like libraries and mm -hmm. um trying to use trying to like get 
larger get it get uh, like more functionality I guess, I guess it would be like it, yeah it would be like so i'm using python and i want to you know make a a i want to use tensorflow mm -hmm. um in order to make like a simple neural net mm -hmm. um and then or or trying to like have like have data organized in such a way that i can bring it in and actually like uh train a neural network like right. I, I i don't know i wouldn't know how to start organizing reading my own data set that i had to do something like that i guess that i guess that's probably um not necessary at this point it would be just taking someone else's data set and seeing how it's organized yeah and like if i was you i would probably start with like a tutorial on like i'm sure there's python neural net tutorials out there where you look at something and it's like hey i'm gonna walk you through what i'm doing and those are usually boring to follow and you don't really learn a whole lot but what you do yeah. is that you start to like modify the tutorial right you'd be like you get to a point where it's like um okay we're going to create the program and we're going to name it this it's like okay well i wonder what else i can do okay maybe i can change the name of the window da, 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 right you change smaller things then you learn the next piece which is like importing the library python is nice because um all you need is to like make sure that you've downloaded the library and once you do that it's really easy to import it whereas java you have to like kind of go into like the, the the ide or wherever and like add it to the project and then because it's a compiled language you gotta like make sure it's all good and then you gotta like build it and then you can run it so it's really kind of a pain in the ass to like get everything where it can mm -hmm. run whereas python is just like man give me this and all, all of a sudden you have access to all of that right um right. and libraries yeah. are just basically the same programming language that you're writing in just just you know functions that are already yeah so you can just use it um, essentially. So, yeah yeah, so I, I was I was working my way through um, this deep learning course on Coursera, um, which kind of does that. But the 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 issue I run into is that they make it so easy for you in terms of just getting right to the programming. Mm -hmm. It's all it's all based on, um, I guess, a Jupyter Notebook or Google Collab style, where like it's all built into the browser. Mm. I see. And I'm kind of wanting to go from from okay, I'm I'm kind of getting a handle on the programming itself, but now I want to like I want to be doing this all on my own computer. Right. So, I'm trying to find like, like yeah, <laughs> so, I, I know what you're saying. You know, they you know they have everything set up. You know they already include all of the yeah. Includes, you're not doing any you know, of them. Yeah, you're just kind I'm of. I'm not bringing in the libraries. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, exactly. They already have the data already set up perfectly. Mm -hmm. I will. So uh, I'll find something like... for you. Um, I can probably look at like um, a, a a tutorial online because like the thing with those Coursera and stuff like that is they have to make it. If you look at it as a product, because you bought that, right? They essentially have to make mm -hmm. it that it runs on anybody's computer. Um, because what happens normally is like the tutorial when you find one on like on like a medium.com or some some website or YouTube, um, it'll be like, hey, we're gonna do this in Python or whatever, and it's like, okay, you need these just get started but getting those mm -hmm. is like like you could spend hours on that so if this coursera person had a way to bypass all the setup where you could just get right into the, the stuff they no longer have to sell that like support to be like oh here's how we're doing right it's just like no, no this works on the browser you just need chrome to run it right which is good mm -hmm. for learning stuff or testing stuff um, but it's not good when you want to understand how it all orchestrates together um, and for that, yeah, you would need, mm -hmm. and, and, um, this is like where the kind of the biggest pain in the ass kind of stuff is, especially with like Java is like, 
even to get a basic Java application running, we spent the first like week in college getting that because you got to like install it and then you got to like point your path to it. And then if you already have Java installed, you have to like update the version or, you know, it's like all of these things that are just so like, it's like not even programming. It's like, like mm -hmm. house cleaning, you know, it's like keeping up with like, it's like, oh my God, even I can't even program for the first like five hours. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. now once you understand and get everything working, it's like, okay, now I can read the freaking source code, right? So it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit annoying in that regard. And that's kind of programming, like in a nutshell. It's like you find a tutorial, you're like, this is perfect. And it's like, oh shit, how did they get there? Like, how did, how did yeah. they set everything up, right? Um, yeah, I know, I know, like, um, there are like data science IDEs um, that include all these, like, Jupyter stuff and Python and and everything's combined, um, and and R even like they they'll have like, um, actually remember what it's called, but there's a there's one particular one that's quite popular, um, but it's it's also like the file types and, um, uh, other problems. Oh yeah, so like with Jupiter, for mm -hmm. instance, um, they or it might be Google Collab. I get the two mixed up because they're like combined, sort of. Um, but uh, your programs um, are running in their server, right? Because it's web-based, right? Yes. So and, and like they will even give you some like GPU. Oh, I um, see. Yeah, you run so, it on their so stuff. So then it's like yeah, yeah. So then it's like well, okay. So do I need? I guess I need a GPU. If I want to run this on my, well, I mean, I obviously I have like integrated graphics, but, um, but like how much GPU, like <laughs> if I can think of a project, um, it's hard to know like how much GPU I'm going to need for it. Yeah. But I, I mean, guess that kind of yeah. comes with experience, but I mean, I, I don't it's know like how far can I get just with the web-based stuff? Yeah. I would, I would, um, like for me, I would never think of that. Like I would, I would have never thought, oh man, I should look at my graphics card or like my CPU or whatever. I would just be like, man, I'm just going to start. And then if I experienced like, man, and I'd probably Googling, why is my shit so slow? Or like, why does this take so long? And people would be like, well, you actually need like a really good graphics card. Then I'd be like, oh, okay. But you might as well just assume everything's going to work until it doesn't. And then Google the problems. And that's pretty, I mean, maybe that's a bad way of doing it, but that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> so I just assume, no, actually, yeah. I think, I think that is um, I think it's actually kind of funny because I, I think we were talking about this the last time we talked. We were talking about math. Yeah. And oh we yeah, <laughs> both had the exact we had the exact same opposite view where you want to understand everything before applying, applying it, and I would be able to kind of uh, apply it in such a way <laughs> yeah. to learn it, and then ga gather the understanding that way. And that was why you were saying you couldn't progress with math. But then when it comes to programming, it's the exact opposite That's problem. Hilarious. I'm wanting to understand everything before I even start. And you're the one who's saying you just start just going go until it. you run into a problem. <laughs> but it, what's, what it shows is that clearly that is the way to do it. Right? Yeah. Just go. You just what's... do. And then you learn as you go. And, and um, even if you are in the dark for a while, eventually it all becomes clear. And you have those aha moments. and. Mm -hmm. So I wonder why somebody like you, you're like super smart or whatever, like you, you really well in school. I wonder like why you're, you're, you didn't draw that. Like, why did I not draw the conclusion for math, but I can do that so easily for programming. Is it just because like, like you must be like 
like we must be afraid of like not being able to understand it and i think that's probably the underlying fear is like um oh man we're not good enough to do this so therefore we want to arm ourselves with as much information as possible um and i call that and i think other people call it like analysis paralysis where it's like you're so stuck in the reading of books and like lurking up tutorials da, 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 but you haven't done anything and like when i say that now with programming it's like oh i did the exact same thing with like math it's just like i you know i would just avoid it entirely or it's kind of a bit different for me because i wouldn't even like look at the math i'd just be like oh it's gonna be so hard i'm just not even gonna attempt to open the book right um and so yeah but it's it's actually hilarious that you said that because that's so true <laughs> i think for, i think it, I'm, it probably has to do with your entry point into those environments um as well as your confidence in those environments i think that's a big part of it is, um i mean maybe i just happened to have had a teacher where things clicked at one point and i because i had succeeded in such a way i had the confidence in order to make mistakes very true and you probably have a similar thing where i mean you built your first computer when you were quite young and, yeah, i suppose and you um had kind of taken those risks and you know there was failure but you succeeded in such a way that you probably had a confidence with computers um that i didn't necessarily have and like i'm pretty confident with computers but i i definitely there's still always a little bit in the back of my head where i'm like ah, i'm gonna fucking break my computer or mm -hmm. or i'm gonna even though like I'm not going to break my computer. <laughs> Actually, I think that's very, that's probably exactly what it is. Like if I look at myself, even before I built the computer, because like even now I wouldn't say I'm an expert. Of the, I've only built three computers, right? I built my first one. Mm -hmm. um, then I built like kind of my second one and then I built this one right here. Um, but once you do one, you realize it's just like Lego, just really expensive. Um, and then all of a sudden you're building a computer on the carpet with like all the static around you and you're just like, fuck it, whatever, right? Like I, you just ground yourself and you do everything. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But I think I think it kind of you nailed it on the head is like you're comfortable with the environment around you. So like for when I started looking at computers, I was good at computers before I even knew I was good at computers. Like and I just mean like basic things like uninstalling programs, like finding things like and I think the biggest thing for that was my computer. The first computer I ever got was so crappy. Like like I had a monitor that like didn't even really show all the colors. So it was just like this kind of black and white, but kind of like also like a little bit of red or whatever. Um, and so I would constantly be like Googling can I fix this? Can I fix it? Like, like what is wrong? Okay. And then, so like I was working on all these skills that I didn't even know that I was working on just because I was trying to figure out what the problems were. Um, and mm -hmm. then there was like certain things where it's like, um, okay, I want to like play RuneScape, but I'm not allowed to. So I have to like uninstall Java every single time. So it's like, I saw one person <laughs> uninstall a program. Right. And so then I was like, okay, now I can uninstall that. Oh, I wonder. So then I, then I literally just like, uninstalled everything on my, my computer and i was like this would make it a lot faster then i booted up and it wouldn't work so we had to call the computer guy in and he'd be like no <laughs> don't delete these things and i was like okay um but you just kind of like get like i think that's probably where it came from it and then all of a sudden after a year of just like messing around like downloading games and like free games and probably so many viruses and toolbars and all this kind of stuff and then yeah being like why is my computer so slow let's, let's reformat it we're re like doing all that stuff um and but not doing it really well like i just messing up constantly but then all of a sudden, you know, people are like, oh, hey, how do you do this? And I'd be like, oh, you can just, like, even something as, like, shortcuts, like, Control-C, Control-V, like, knowing that you can use the keyboard for certain things, it's like, oh, okay. Dude, I, yeah. I, ha I took, like, an introductory programming cor uh, course in grade 11 that we had, which was, like, super basic. But I remember the day I, me, and there was a guy beside me, and uh, this code, I needed to copy and paste it of, like, of times mm -hmm. and 
and I was using my right, like right clicking, yeah. copy, paste, copy, paste. And the guy beside me is like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> He's yeah. like, use control C and control V. It's going to like save you so much time. Yeah. I had no idea those were a thing. It was a grade 11. I was, I was like, and that changed my freaking life. Now I like mm -hmm. only ever use control V, control X, control V, control Z. Like those are such ingrained shortcuts into my mind and whenever i'm using a computer and my like my parents are around they think i'm a like a witch yeah, or something exactly like they, think I, they don't understand they're just like what you can <laughs> what you can like make things full screen without using the mouse like yeah and it's funny because so so like i like i've m mastered the ui mm -hmm. um the funny thing but to tie that's, it like all know, back as I got. so the <laughs> command line is like the next step above that where yeah. you can do things without even like so like for example copying a file like you would probably still do it the same way that everybody would do it where you would open up the file explorer you would copy you'd probably control c the file then you control v it and somewhere else so you, you got that down yeah. but on a terminal especially in ubuntu if you know the path it's just cp path path like you cp from the source to the destination and then it's done and it's you don't even have mm -hmm. to look at the file. You just know it's there. Um, right. You can see the path. You can ls like list the files in that, and it shows you everything. And all of that takes like seconds. Whereas the file explorer, you'd have to like copy, then you have to like figure out where that was, and then you have to like go here and paste it, and then you have to have two windows open, and like you know you got to drag one from the other or whatever. Um, so it's kind of like the next level. It's like that terminal. And then now, whenever I get mm -hmm. a Mac, somebody like brings me their Mac or whatever. Like I would rather use a terminal than use them because I don't know the Mac GUI, but the terminal is the exact same thing as Ubuntu. So I can use their computer better than they can without even knowing what the Mac, like I'll be asking them like, man, how do you get to the find? Like, what is, what, how, what is finder? They'd be like, dude, you just like were in this black box with like text constantly and you don't know how to like, no, dude, I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. Like that's yeah. the biggest thing. People think that they, you know, know. So it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like <laughs> so, I'm the same. It's the same thing where it's like, I, Catherine's trying to do some stats in Excel, um, or do and, and I mean what she's doing is probably too like complicated for Excel to begin with. But mm -hmm. she needs to uh, there's one calculation. She's got a huge column, and she's got a uh, she's got to copy every other value right in Excel. And she's like, I don't know how to do that. And mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know how to do that either. But I'll just look up online. I bet somebody's yeah. figured it out. And then I downloaded the little, um, the uh, formula uh, macro. Oh, macro. Macro. So the little like Visual Basic uh, programming, mm -hmm. a little bit of code. Copy it, figure out how to use it in my Excel, and then send it to her. And then figure out how to do it in her, her uh, computer. But I can't remember how to like copy or paste right. <laughs> in her computer yeah. because it doesn't it's have. Command. It's not the same. Yeah. It's not Control C. It's Command C. <laughs> and um, what's and the worst part is that I'm um we have like this setup where you can just plug in your HDMI and your right. USB and then your computer operates the monitor and the keyboard and everything. So I'm using a Windows keyboard. It's mm -hmm. got the Windows oh, button. So the Windows have... button is the command. Right. Button. So I want to copy with her computer instead of it mapping to a Windows thing it, it sticks with them with the apple where right. it's still not control copy it's it's <laughs> windows button copy yeah. no, that's hilarious <laughs> what is wrong with your fucking computer so i can't operate ex i can't operate excel or powerpoint using her computer at all but i, I can still similar. figure out the visual basic in her mm -hmm. 
Excel to figure out how to do that. That's kind of funny. And same that's like the same, that like that whole like operating system. Um, and I got to go in like 10 minutes here, but that whole kind of yeah, like yeah, operating no system between Windows and Mac, like that you just experienced, is the same thing that I, like people experience between Windows and like Ubuntu and stuff like that, right? And it's just that like, that's why people chose to develop on or keep continue developing on Linux is because they know it all and they do all this stuff. You don't have to fight through the things that you don't need to fight through just because they're a pain in the ass, right? Um, right. I know many developers develop on Mac. And again, it's arguably better than developing on Windows because the Mac was built in Unix. So you have the entire backbone already for that stuff. Um, so so right. it's really good environment, but there's because of some things, it's a lot slower. And th those things you can't fight against because that's just how Mac's software works. And so again, it's kind of like a boon mm -hmm. to like, like the easiest naked way that you can start programming. It's like, damn, that's pretty fast, you know? So I, I sent you a, a Facebook in the message there. I sent you like this little build on our official neural network from scratch. Um, I don't know how insane mm -hmm. that will be. I would actually like to do one as well. Um, <laughs> but I will uh, yeah, take a look at that when I have time, which is never. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, no, that's that's awesome. Thank you. What uh, to close things off, any, any books that you're reading right now? New books, I guess. Um, I'm currently listening to Guns, Germs, and Steel. Guns, um, Germs, which is a really steel. cool. All right. So, it's, uh, it's this. I don't know what he is. I guess he would be like an anthropologist or something. But, mm. um, and he's he spent a lot of time with like tribes and Papua New and Papua New Guinea and stuff. Mm. But uh, he's he has basically done this analysis of why certain cultures advanced faster than others based on um, geography for the most part as well as the distribution of plants and animals hmm. so like basically say, like uh, one of the questions in that it kind of raises is why is it that when the Americans or not Americans when when the Europeans came to America came to the new world they brought you know uh, all these viruses and, and germs with them that wiped out mm -hmm. the entire continent why is it that they didn't bring back any germs that wiped out Europe. Right. Like why is it that, what was it about Europe that produced all of these super dangerous diseases that were not produced in North America at all? What's and also just the people. Why and a lot they, of it has yeah. to, a lot of it has to do with, a lot of it has to do with living closely with tons and tons of livestock mm -hmm. and, um, and in big cities and, and um, that wasn't necessarily the case in, most of the Americas. Interesting. But yeah, it's it's really it's really interesting. It's really cool. Hmm. They talk about all sorts of um Yeah, it's really cool. Cool. Oh, I also finished a book on Genghis Khan that was awesome. Oh really? What was it called? It's called uh Genghis Khan and the Making of the Modern World. I find those um, fascinating. It's super cool because it, it, it uh, they're, they're, it's called the secret history which it's like the the first person account or not first uh, I don't know I guess it would have been like uh, the historians that would have been around him the right. whole time and and all this, this like lineage it's, it's not just Genghis Khan it's also like Monk Khan and Kublai Khan and all them cool. um, but uh, and like the cons <laughs> um, but uh, uh, like that shit wasn't known it, it was hidden it was lost for until like 500 years ago or no, actually, sorry, no, it's even less. It's, it was like in the like the fifties or something when it was like actually um, translated and figured out and stuff. So it's like oh, most of what you know about 
um, Genghis Khan and stuff were, or, or Genghis Khan, I guess is how it's actually Genghis. pronounced, but um, is not really true. And like he actually, they they were actually like very modern and um, more humane than most of the cultures at the time. Right. And cool. had like such genius, like just the ways that they ruled, like the the sons and the the males were always away at war. Right. Um, so all of their their uh, like wives, all of their empires were ruled by their by their wives, right? Daughters, like so wild. And they and if they if uh, it would just like marry off their daughters to um, to other kingdoms all the time, and then they'd go to war with their with their sons-in-laws, and a lot of the time their sons-in-laws would just die. <laughs> And then they just inherit the kingdom because their daughter is the empress. <laughs> right, right. And and uh, like they were like one of the first cultures to allow people to like believe whatever they wanted to believe. And they had like they had uh, they encouraged um, public debate of hmm. like various religions and stuff. Like it, it's super cool. Very nice. Cool. Yeah. I uh, I'm gonna look into that because I think that might actually be a book that I can listen to and do other things with. Like the other ones that I like to yeah. read are the ones that I'm trying to learn from. Whereas this one's kind of like a right. story about that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Similarly, it's, to, it's very much read like a story. Yeah. It's it's good. Similarly, it's I would I would advise anybody to go read the entire Wikipedia page on like the pyramids and stuff like that because <laughs> like there's like some new <laughs> yeah. info as of like 2018 or whatever. It's just like. And I was like, man, this is like I was like fascinated. I was like reading all of them, and I've read it like many many times before. But some for some reason, I was like, man, I'm gonna look up the pyramids or whatever. And then I just read like the entire entire thing, and I was like, it's hmm, pretty cool, you know. It's like, oh man, we're still finding stuff out like today, and like there's like theories, but it's like nothing. You don't true. realize, you don't realize how like how young of an of a field Egyptology is. Like we've only been able to read hieroglyphs for like a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly like it, it's soup like like they're discovering stuff all the time super cool no definitely just the how young everything is like like it's really not that old that like you know we could do all these things like um i was I was listening to another good podcast obviously i like the uh uh it's interesting because i've started listening to a lot of lex friedman stuff now um, and then his yeah. relationship with Elon Musk, but then also other people's relationship with him. It's just like, oh, interesting. Like you got these two incredibly smart people who can like have a conversation and they don't agree all the time. It's like, that's awesome. Um, mm. And so yeah, I love it. No, I love great. listening to like intellectual discussions. That's so that's one thing that that is so great about podcasts. It's the first time in, I mean, such a long time that um, we've had these these intellectual discussions that you mm -hmm. can just listen to long yeah, form discussions. And and the Great. the best part about like this specifically is like you and I would be having these in person if we were in person, you know, like or and not all mm -hmm. the time. It's not like mm -hmm. we just chat <laughs> these smart people, but it's just like like we just always talk about cool shit. Essentially, it's like man, how does this work, or mm -hmm. why do people like this, or you know, what have you learned in the past? Because that's why I like find you fascinating because like, you're going to school and like you're constantly learning stuff, and like I'm doing it the hard way where it's like I'm learning shit through. Not to say that yours isn't hard, but it's like I'm just learning stuff like. <laughs> <laughs> I think they definitely have ups and downs. Both no, of them. Sure. Well, I think that's probably good. I got to go five minutes. I got a meeting. So um, thanks again as well. Sounds good, man. And uh, great talking to you. That's a cool way of signing off is just being, Hey, what books are you reading? But I guess we won't be able to do that constantly because we'll be, you know, I guess how long, how fast can you crush a book on audible? A couple of days. Oh, pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to listen to that game. Depends on the book. Obviously. Cool.
them. Do you uh, right. do you just use Audible to free credit, or do you also just buy them like crazy? I buy them too. Yeah. I I get the like the it's forty dollars for three credits. Ooh, interesting. Cool. So um, you know, thirteen dollars a title, no matter how long it is. So right. no matter how much it's worth. So like if it's less than thirteen dollars, I'll just buy it. Right. And then if it's like sixty dollars, it's still thirteen dollars. Right. It's just credit. Cool. Credit. All right. Well, as always, it's been another episode of the Jude, Jude and Tyler podcast. Tyler podcast. Or wait, is that what it's called? No, Jude and Ty podcast. Yeah, that podcast. Listen to us. Sponsored by sleeptime.ca. Go do your sleep.